May I have a seat? How's everybody doing this morning? Is that it? Come on now. I'm good. All right. That's good. You already got more going on than the uh, 9 o'clock, I'll tell you that. So don't tell them I said that, though. They were good. Um, so uh, last message of this series, and I have a chance to introduce it. Um, and I'm going to get my special glasses for this. You guys I don't know if you can see me. All right. We're going to talk about what God says about looking. Some of you didn't really react well to that, so I'll give you ones you probably like a lot better. All right. All right. These are what I call the Ariel glasses. If you know Ariel, he loves to bring people donuts. So, um, but uh, uh, but I, when I told our um, staff, we were like, ah, what, what does God say about looking? You know, uh, some of them were on vacation, but the ones who were around were like scratching their head like, that's a weird, what? Like, what does God say about looking? We come to, uh, we're going to come to a point where, and I'll, sh- I'll show it to you when we get there, but in uh, the Old Testament where that word comes up, and in the Hebrew, which was the original language it was written in, it has more of a nuance, but in English it is too. Like, I want to give you three scenarios, right? I want you to imagine you're away for like three weeks. Uh, maybe it's business, maybe it's whatever. It's just you're away, uh, and, and, and the person you love the most you haven't seen in these few weeks, right? So it's that, hopefully if you might be sitting next to that person, just let them know that that's you, you know. Um, or maybe it's, you know, whoever it is. You know, spouse could be a best friend. Just, just think of that person. You haven't seen them, haven't really had a chance to, and, and they're going to meet you in this public restaurant. And you haven't seen them. So there you are, you're, you're looking around, right? And, and I'll give you three categories of look. So the first category, as you're sitting there, you notice a, a, a dude walks by. I don't know what else to describe him. And he decides to dress in a certain way in which his parent, pants are hanging all the way down to his quad muscles. Not just saggy. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not bad. But, like, to the point where you look and you go, whoa, how do I unsee that? Anyone ever been there? All right. You're like, you look, how do I unsee that? So that's, that's the first category. The second, as you look away, you notice this family walks in. And you're like, I think I might know this family. So you look at them. And you're like, no, I don't, I don't think I do. But as you're looking at this family, you're, you're curious. You're like, huh, I wonder why if they're on vacation. You start kind of watching them as they walk in. You're, you're looking because you're just a little bit curious. But it's only looking until something better comes along. That's the second category. And something better comes along. That person you miss so much walks in the door. And you look. No longer are you thinking about that dude, thank God, or that family. You're trained on to that person. And that's, when we see that word look, that's what it means. To to, to move towards, like not just your eyes, but but your your body, your your mind, your soul. Like the the deepest part of you to look. And so what we want to talk about today is that that's the word that's meant when we look to Jesus. It is a faith belief word that isn't just, certainly isn't a, like some, probably no one here, but someone's like, ugh, doesn't want to even think about it. And it's also, we've got to be very careful of that second category of a, a curious glance until something grabs my attention. It's a move towards, locked on, look. So let's pray before we go to that. Father, we, 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 we just give you praise, um, Lord, because you deserve it. And Lord, I think of how much that I sometimes take for granted that we are praying right now together and you are with us. Your people at one time had to jump through a lot of hoops to get a presence in presence of you because of your holiness. But because of Christ, we can enter your presence at any time. And we, we do that right now. I do that asking you to do what only you can do through your spirit. 
You know what each person in this room or online watching needs far better than I do. So I pray you take your, um, your word, your truth, and engage our minds, hearts, bodies, souls, so that we might be refreshed in knowing what it really means to look in faith to you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Okay, so we're, it's going to be in Numbers, which is, you know, not a book we usually go into very often. Um, 21 is the chapter. So if you do want to, if you're turning on your phones or opening up, uh, it's Numbers 21. We're going to start in verse 4. Um, it's fourth book of the Bible, so it's kind of the, towards the beginning. And uh, so, so why, why you might do that. Oh, by the way, we have Bibles I like to try to, in, in the pews you can use. But also if you don't own a Bible... Uh, we'd love you to take that. It's not stealing. Take it. It's our gift. If you know someone who doesn't have a Bible, take it and give it to them, okay? Um, and uh, if you ever have, want advice on a good Bible to buy, like a study Bible for someone or for yourself, let me know. I, I love that question. So, um, Okay, so why you do that? Uh, usually we do more fancy promotions for a new sermon series, um, but uh, we didn't have a lot of time with me coming out of sabbatical, so this is what you get. A slide, all right? And uh, we're going to start this next week. It's called Let There Be Light, A Journey from Creation to Christ. So I'm going to preach the entire Bible. It's going to be great. Some of you would have a little bit of an advanced age. You will not make it to the end. I'm sorry. No, I'm kidding. This is actually just going to bring us to Christmas, right? So I'm not going to preach the whole Bible. But the idea is I, I've never had a chance, um, and it's always bothered me a little bit, um, and most of you wouldn't care because only some of you were here at the beginning when I started, but uh, a number of years ago. But I've had the opportunity to preach through the entire book of Genesis, not at once, um, except for the first five chapters of Genesis. And the unfortunate incident of Tamar, if you know that, I've never touched that either. So uh, and I don't know if I ever will. But uh, first five chapters, creation, the fall, just because I went through fig- like, um, characters. So I did Noah, and I remember doing that. If you guys remember, I did a, a series on the worldwide flood. That was cool. If you remember that, you've been with us a long time. Uh, and, and so it's always kind of bothered me. So I started looking at those first five chapters. I was like, let's do that. But I started realizing how beautiful that will be to lead us into Christmas. So we're going to tie in you know, John 1 and some of those as well as, as how creation, the fall, but God's resolution to that. And a lot of other things in between. So that's going to start next week. Be praying about that. Hopefully that, that will be, um, God will move in a lot of awesome ways. I know he will. He always does. So... Um, as we get to Numbers 20, uh, chapter 21, let me just give you a little, little of the context. It's important, right? The, um, uh, this is obviously Israel. They have not yet entered the promised land, God's people. But remember, God has rescued them from slavery in Egypt, right? Book of Exodus, Red Sea, plagues, right? And, and, he, and he rescues them. They spend about a year getting the law at Mount Sinai. And then they're headed to the promised land, the land of Canaan flowing of milk and honey. God has promised you're going to take it, go in. Moses sends ten spies. Maybe you remember this. But if not, this is what happened. Ten spies go in. They come back. Eight of them are like, no way. We should not do what God's telling us to do. They're too scary, those people. Caleb and Joshua were the only two that said we can do it. Why? Because God says to do it. And they were faithful. But because those eight got all the rest of the people to not trust God, and they sinned against God, and God judged them. And he says, well, now none of this adult population, except for Caleb and Joshua, are going to see the promised land. So anyone over the age of 20 will be gone. So they spent 40 years wandering in the desert, in the wilderness. And so now in Numbers 21, this is the second generation. This is the kids. At least half of these people never even knew Egypt. They were teenagers maybe or young kids. 
right? They don't probably remember a lot of it, but they remember some. And now they're ready to finally go and take the promised land. The first three verses of this chapter, they win a a decisive victory. One that they probably shouldn't have won. But it's decisive because God is in it. And so the whole point should be, you guys see what God's going to do. Trust him. Trust him. But unfortunately, they get a little tired. They're in the desert. And they get impatient. Watch what happens here. It says, From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. Anyone impatient here? You don't have to raise your hand, but it's okay to be known. Yes. Hurry up with the sermon, Jamie. I am impatient. (laughs) Impatient with God? We don't like to admit that. We've all been there. I mean, I'd love to talk to you. If you've never had one circumstance in your life where you're like, really, God? Really? When are you going to answer this? When, like, I prayed for that. Like, I don't get why this situation, financial, marriage, kids, health, it's whatever it might be, that you're just like impatient. It's me. It's being human. Like, I don't think being, get, starting to get a little impatient is not necessarily the bad thing. It's what you do with that. If you go, God, I just need your help for more patience. Praying for patience is a difficult thing, but it's a good thing. If we did that, it would be great. But instead, their impatience led to a whole other thing in verse 5. The people spoke against God and against Moses. And this is what they said. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. You ever, <laughs> have you ever noticed that before? Have you read this? We have no food, and we can't stand that food. Sounds like you got food to me, but just me, right? But what they're saying is, we want different food. If you're a parent, you've heard that. I don't want this. I want chicken nuggets. You know, it's like, just shut up and eat it. Or was that just my generation? I don't know, you know? But, but we, we, we don't want this. And they're impatient. And it's understandably why they're getting a little tired. They're in the wilderness. Most of these people, their whole life for a lot of them. And, and, and what they're talking about with the food, this is the bread from heaven. This is what's called manna. God gave them miraculously every day. Could you imagine that? I'm hungry. Oh, wow, cool. These nice, sweet, like, bread cakes. You start eating them. You're like, God just gave these to me. And you would say, that's an amazing miracle until it happened all of your life. And you might start to go, yeah. I'm a little tired of that. God, how about some fillets or, you know, some linguine with clam sauce or some pizza or something? Tired. Spice rack, anything? And so they're impatient. And so, so they, they, they speak against God. They sin against God. And, and one of the things I noticed here that I, again, never noticed is they mention Egypt. And if you are, you're familiar with um, these, this area of the Bible, you get used to it. And so I have. Is their parents' generation would often say that. We should have stayed in Egypt. We're going back. Yeah, it was horrible, but at least we could eat. At least, you know, always saying going back to Egypt, even though it was terrible. They were in slavery. But this isn't them. This is their kids. At least half these people never been to Egypt, right? Or, or to barely remember it. And here's the point. If you're a parent or a grandparent, pay really close attention. Our children say what we say, and they do what we do. They learned it from their parents. They don't even know what Egypt is. They're just like, Egypt. they don't even know. But they heard their parents' generation say it for so long, it seeped deep into their own psyche. And so they sin against God. What is God going to do about this? Well, it won't, it'll be pretty hard. Then the Lord, he sent fiery serpents among the people, 
and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. Death. Death. See, their frustration and impatience with their present circumstances got their their minds off of God and his grace and all that he's done and, and instead looking for answers somewhere else and they speak against God and now God rightly judges with death. Right? That's always what comes from sin and wicked rebellion. Always. I don't like that. It doesn't matter what I like. It's the truth. This is how God judges. And so they're dying. Now, fiery serpents. I don't think this was snakes on fire. This is most likely when they bit you, it was so poisonous that it felt like you were on fire. This is terrible, like, you know, judgment and, and all of this is going on, right? But I want you to see how the people respond, and it's beautiful. The people came to Moses, and they said, and I want you to know what this is. We have sinned. Just notice that. So important. It's a nuance. At least it seems like it, but it's, it means all everything. We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Moses prayed to the Lord that he'd take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Intercessory prayer. If you have someone, and I bet some of you do, that's just in rebellion right now and they won't listen to you. In fact, they get angry anytime you try to bring it up. One of the best things you can do is not give up and keep praying, keep praying, keep praying for God to turn them. Because you might not be able to, but God can. And so Moses prays. But I bring you back to how they went about it. See, because this is, they start not with, this is terrible, we're all being bit by snakes. That's the consequences. None of us like those. But they start with something far better. We have sinned. We have sorrow. We, we, we wish we didn't say that against God and, and you and, and do that. Will you pray so that God will forgive us? That God will save us from death to life? Critically important. Starting with that. Like if someone called me up and said, hey, I'm in prison. Will you come visit me? That's happened before, of course. Um, never for this crime, but I want you to imagine. I, I go, and I sit in front, and they're like, I murdered somebody. And I, I, they're, they're about, they, they just declared guilty, and, and, and the judge is going to sentence me. And he's just sobbing. And I'm going to go to jail for life, or maybe, you know, uh, uh, the death penalty, and I don't know what to do, right? And, and then I ask him, hey, are you sorry you got caught, or are you sorry you murdered somebody? It's a big difference. On the way to church last night. The, the, the cops' lights were behind me. And I was like, oh, no, was I speeding as I pulled over? I wasn't worried about whether I was actually speeding. I was worried about whether I got caught speeding. Thankfully, I wasn't, or at least the cop didn't care, and he was going somewhere else, and he flew past me. You know that? <gasps> I would have played that pastor card so hard, and it would have been <laughs> bad. I've done it, and I've had to confess that, all right? And so... So, plus, you don't know. Some police don't like pastors very much, and it doesn't go well. So, but but the, they, they acknowledge. So, so here it is. They repent of their sin and then turn to God for salvation. That's the whole point, okay? It's such a, such a big difference. And so what does the Lord do to answer that? The Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. Death to life. Right? He will live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, and he set it on a pole. And if a ser- serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. 
as the serpent is lifted up, they look at it. There's that word, look, look. Not a casual look, not a look. Uh, 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 this is all I got. Like, I've sinned. This is it. Will, 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 will God save me? Will God, I'm, I'm, I deserve that judgment. I've sinned that I'm going to die, but God can save me. And you look in faith, and you're saved. <laughs> and, and, and so the, 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 the question as we look at this, the, the first question anyway that, that I want you to, to, to ask is what causes this kind of sin? Even amongst God's people. Really anyone, but especially those who are trusting. All of a sudden, they're not. And what happens is we get, me included, we get torn. It's like, and it's not just one-time thing. It's like every day. Some days are worse. And so, we, so when they were in the wilderness, they had a choice. Do we, in our circumstances, trust God? Do we look to God, right? So let's symbolize that with the cross for obvious reasons, especially in a few minutes. Right? I'm not gonna, I'm not, my name's not Simon, so I'm not carrying this thing, all right? And, and that, just have that be there. So, so we, we can do that, right? We can look to the Lord. Despite I'm tired, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, uh, but, but he's promised and he's blessed, and right, we can do that, or when we lose sight of that, we get torn. And I have a brand new sermon prop for you. You ready? It's right there. I forgot to hide it. Are you in awe of this? You guys don't seem very impressed. You just wait. You ready? That's what I'm saying. It spins. Spins. Right? You're going to be seeing this a lot, so get used to it. All right? We talk about this a lot. This is the world. Right? And so, so it's, and, and, and I love, we spent a few extra bucks to make sure it glows. Not only because it's cool and make a good nightlight or something. Right? But the, it, it glows. That's what the world's answers do. When we lose sight of God, it's like, oh. Oh, yeah, this will help me. This will, and and, and we, we rebel against God, and we start to walk towards the world. Right? And we get there. It's like more money, better job, better marriage, better sex, better. And then what happened? Right? And then we go, I'm going to trust the God again. And then it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Remember? Right? And that's how we, oh, this game is played for all of us. And so the idea is this, Okay? is that when we become frustrated with our present circumstances, and that might be too light of a word, frustrated, angry, upset, tired, whatever it is, I just don't like this anymore, and I wish God would do it right. That's what happened to them in the wilderness. When that happens, this is what often can happen if we're not careful, is we lose sight of God's past and present blessings. And when we do that, we look over here. We lose sight of what God has done and what he is doing. Like, I'm guessing every one of you woke up today on a pretty comfortable mattress. Some of you need a new one. I get it. But you're in the top 1% of the world on what you slept on. And probably like me, didn't think anything of it. Got up, you opened your faucet, and water came out. Do you know how many people would kill for that? And it's not going to kill you. And when you, you mix, this is the best, you mixed it with these beans that grow, it turned into coffee. Right? And, and he's like, oh, is this, this isn't my favorite malted blah, blah. Like, come on. It's coffee, right? And, and then you got, like, probably a lot of you, you might be single, but a lot of you, you know, woke up with someone you care about. You probably grumbled at them, but you do love them. 
And then you got in the car and you turned, well, a lot of times you push or some people speak into their phone now, whatever, your car started and you drove here, right? I could go on and on. Then you get here, maybe some of the bigger things came into focus. Maybe during worship, for a second you saw that cross, right? And it's just like, I can't believe that we sang that song, you have saved me, why have you saved? And you start thinking about all the blessings, past and present, that you have. This is why in our prayer time, not necessarily those quick prayers, that time that we have with God, we should not jump into requests. You should request. Make your request known to God. Very biblical. You should do that. But before do that, praise and thanksgiving. And go over, what am I thankful for? Your past, maybe your parents, maybe your upbringing, maybe your schooling, maybe your health, maybe your strength, maybe your kids, maybe, and you, uh, you know, and you start looking around the room like water and bed, like this home. I live in a house that maybe not as good as my neighbors, but it's better than 99% this world has to offer. God has given me this. So now, when the present circumstances and there's hurts and there's pains and they exist, but you're going to look at them in light of what God has done and what he is doing. And now you're far more prepared to look that way and not that way. That's what happened to the people in the wilderness. They lost sight. And so what happened is this story, this event, became incredibly prominent in Israel, in their history. I mean, to us, it's in numbers, right? So it's like right near the story of a a talking donkey. And we're like, I don't know, fiery serpents, I'm not sure. But for them, it was huge. In fact, that bronze serpent that Moses made became a, a, a huge object of faith for them. They put it in a sanctuary, most likely. And, um, and so when they would, that early generations, they would look to it and they would remember their sin, but how God saved them to life and, 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 and their faith. But it became an object of worship. King Hezekiah, way down the road, destroyed it because the people were starting to worship the object, not what it represented. It's like people walk around with a cross. It's got power. It's got, it's got power. Faith and what happened on that cross is where the power is. If that reminds you of that, beautiful. If not, get rid of it. That's why this is the commandment. Don't make an image. Because you, God knows we're so easily worshiping the thing, not the creator of the thing. And so, they, they, But I point that out because in Israel, they, they, um, they, they, they just loved the story. It was so important that it actually was no matter, and it came up in the most, and I don't think this is just me saying this, the most famous and important conversation the world's ever known. (laughs) That's a big statement. It comes in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, right? Where um, you get the verse that, (laughs) like, you know, you're watching a Super Bowl, you see John 3.16, right? Because it's, a, it's such a, it's maybe the most famous, probably, I mean, almost definitely the most famous Bible verse that we know, right? And it should be. It's, this is, but I want you to remember, this isn't John just saying something. This is Jesus talking. And he's talking to Nicodemus. He's talking to a Pharisee, a religious leader, who is confused. He's like, you've you got to be from God, but where would you come from? And, and what are you going to do? Like, it just didn't fit in his theology. And Jesus in 3.16 says, for God so loved the cosmos, the world, the brokenness, the sinfulness, the wickedness, the rebel. God loved you in that so much, right, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, die, but have eternal life. But a couple of verses before that, Jesus said this to him, and this is why I bring it up. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, 
that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Whoever looks to him. And John, when he says lift it up, is always talking about the cross. That hadn't happened yet when he's talking to Nicodemus, but he's pointing forward. He's saying, he's saying that, that, that you remember the story of the wilderness. You remember. It was all about they were, they were in sin. They repented of that, and God saved them. And they had to look to him in faith even better. That was a physical death because that's what sin brings. But see, sin also brings something far worse. It brings eternal death, separation from God because God is just. And yet, he so loved you in that that he gave you a gift of his own son who will be lifted up on that cross. And anyone who looks, not casually glances, but looks in faith goes from eternal death to eternal life. Anyone who looks. And so, the question, have you looked to Jesus for eternal life? I know we're in church, so most people would say yes, and I hope that's true. I do. I'm not asking you to, you don't think you might have lost it because you'd messed up yesterday. That's, you're not going to lose what God, only God can give you. But I want to make sure we're not playing games. Don't play games with your eternal life. Don't think because your parents were Christian or because you went to church or you got the Iwana medals or you went to youth camp. Like, don't play games. Have you... Right, like, have you looked to him? And here's what the, the Bible says that is. Remember, repent. I know that's like an ugly word, but all it means is like they did in the wilderness. We sinned. We blew it, and you want to turn from it. That's what repent means, right? But then you believe. You don't just repent and stay there and say, well, I'm a sinner. You look. God, will you save me? That's the whole point. Repent and believe. There is nowhere in the Bible that says accept Jesus into your heart. It's just not there. Like, he's not an applicant, Looking for a job. Well, I guess you check off all the buttons. No. It's, it's, he was lifted up for me. And maybe, you, you know, I'm not saying how the wording was, and I'm not downing that, but, but make sure you really have done that. And there's a fruit of salvation. Have you repented and believed? There's a couple of categories. There's more than a couple, but a couple that kind of put on my heart. And there's, this, there's this one that's always on my heart so much. And that's for those of you who have never repented and truly believed because of your own deep shame. And, and, and you may not even know it. You're like, I don't even want any of that Jesus stuff, but it's really your shame that's blocking you. You deep down inside can't even imagine that a God would have that much mercy and love for you and so that you just refuse to even look. You refuse to even consider. And so you kind of come up with all kinds of other reasons, but it's your shame. You've blown it in some way that you can't possibly, or other people have done things to you in your life. You know, we went, um, my, my brother was there. We went to my cousin Mike's funeral, an older cousin, but not much older. He's only in his 50s, last week. And so it was obviously really sad. Um, we loved Mike. He had a great sense of humor, incredibly smart, great job. But he never really did much in life because I, I truly believe he was depressed. Um, he lived with his mom, he never married, he didn't have kids, um, and he always just seemed to be depressed, even if he was laughing. One day at a family reunion, I remember this so clearly, we were sitting next to each other and he said, because he knew I was a pastor, right, which is weird for my family, don't ask, and he said, so you have a lot of faith, huh? I said, yeah, yeah, I do. And he said, I wish I could. I said, well, you, of course, you can. 
And he goes, not me. I just, that's not for me. And I don't even know what happened after that. Like, this family reunion is so probably someone else can't, like, I don't remember. And I probably thought I had a lot more time to keep that conversation going at some point. But here's what I believe. That, that he was, you know, it's just me. I don't know. He never told this to me. I believe his shame kept him from believing. My cousin, when he was a teenager, did like we all do, something stupid, and he drove around a school bus sign and he hit and killed a young girl. And I don't believe he ever got, o- got over that. I think he let that just eat him from inside out. And if I could just have gotten him to see that Jesus is enough, he died for you. Your sin isn't greater than mine. Yes, the world would say it. I get it. But it isn't. It isn't. That every one of us has shame. Every one of us has that. And he paid it in full. So if you're that, maybe you didn't do anything that bad. Maybe you did something worse. And you're just like, I can't. it's not for me. It is. It's especially for you. Look to Jesus. Look to the Son of God, the gift that God gave you. Look and believe. The second category, I already kind of mentioned it. It's those that just kind of been around it, and you've getting casual looks. Like, eh, all right, Jesus, that makes some sense. But there's no fruit. There's no love. There's no worship. There's, no, there's mess. There's mess in my life, too. We'll get to that in a, in a second. But there's, there's just no, like, I want more. I want to do that. I keep looking at the world, but I want, there's none of that in your life. I'm just pleading with you. Don't play games with your eternal life. Just because you went to church or you know people who are Christians, have you repented and believed? Have you? If not, don't let pride get in your way. Do it. Look. That's the word. Look. Remember, that kind of look. Look to him. Fix your eyes on him. Fix your eyes on him. You know, I've, I've, um, I brought up Charles Spurgeon last sermon. He's one of my preaching heroes. Um, the greatest, he's led thousands and thousands of Christ in his day. The greatest preacher this world's ever known. And I don't have a lot of time to give the whole thing, but, but his conversion story is so interesting. He was a young man who would go to, he would go to church, and, but he was, as he called himself, miserable. Miserable. And he was in a snow, it was a snowstorm, and he was walking to church, and it was snowstorm was so bad that he never got to his church, but he saw a different church. So he just went in. And he's miserable. And he said there was almost nobody there because of the snowstorm. The regular pastor couldn't even make it. So some dude, and he just, he, this is Spurgeon's words, uh, he was a worthless preacher. Like, he, he didn't know what to do. So he just had like one verse, and, then, and he just kept saying over and over again, look to Jesus, look to Jesus, look to Jesus. He didn't know what else to say. Except he did something, which I would never do to you, I promise. As he pointed to young Spurgeon, young man, you. And he was like, huh? Have you looked at Jesus? Look to Jesus. And he said that is when for the first time he looked and was saved. And how much of a sense of humor does God have? To save one of the greatest preachers we've ever known by one of the worst, according to his own words. Because it's all God, isn't it? Never give up on ministry. God will use you. But the point is, wherever you're at, whatever your background, repent and look. But before we go, a lot of us have done that. Right? But I want you to remember that looking to Christ is not a one time thing. It's a daily, moment by moment thing, isn't it? It, it is a daily struggle. Who am I going to look to? I'm, I'm miserable or I'm upset or my circumstance. Who am I going to look to? Who am I going to trust? Right? 
Is it going to be him? Is it going to be the world? And so that, that last question for those of you who have repented and believed and are Christians in the room, is there an area of my life, your life, that I have looked to the world and not Jesus? I want you to think about that. Don't just look at me. You can, but as you're looking at me, think. What comes to your mind? You know. No, no, I'm, I'm are you, like, I, I have them. And you may not. You may be in a good season. I don't want you to pretend. That's silly. It's false humility. But I want to ask, is there something or some things in your life right now that you're like, man, I'm trying to find the answers here, and I need to go back and look there. Here's what I want to do, because I, I want to pray, but here's what I want to do. Is if your answer to either of those, is for the first question, I need to repent and believe is yes, or this question. Because in a second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, okay? We're not going to close our eyes. Be no. Like, well, what if someone sees me? Don't worry about it. And if, and if, and if you, you see a few people that God puts on your mind, I want you to pray for them this week. You don't need to know what it is. You just need to pray for them. God knows what it is, okay? So if, if your answer to either of those two questions is yes, raise your hand. Go ahead. Keep it up. I know this is a Baptist church, but pretend you're a Pentecostal for now, okay? All right. All right, you can put them down. If anyone was here who was just like, well, I don't have anything, you probably should have, should, you probably should have raised your hand. Just saying. Don't worry what people are thinking. Be known. If someone is looking at you and going, oh, really? Huh? Come on. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. As I'm praying, I'm going to ask you to visualize in your own kind of mind, heart, whatever, just what that is and lay it before Christ. Okay? It was courageous for you to raise your hand. It is. Let's pray. Lord, I, I pray first for those of my brothers and sisters who answered yes to that second question. Lord, thank you for the courage for them to do that. Lord, I, I, I pray that you would keep the enemy away from them. I know he's going to be attacking and attacking, enticing them with the world. Lord, I pray you'd give them people to surround them, encourage and help, whether they want them or not, to provide that by your grace, to look again to you. So if that's you, just visualize whatever it is. Just visualize looking again to Christ and not the world. If you need to repent, repent. If you need to believe again, believe. Father, I pray you'd open, your, open the hearts of those who, for the first time, need to repent and believe. They want to stop playing games. They want to stop letting shame get in their way. Would you give them the courage and again, protect them from the demonic forces that would attack them. They would see for the first time the beautiful freedom of knowing and looking to Jesus. If that's you, it just, there's really no magic prayer. Just say, I'm sorry, God, for my sin truly wish I hadn't sinned, but I have. And I don't want it anymore. I need your grace. I need your salvation. I look to Jesus alone who died for me, who was lifted up in my place. And I look to you, you alone, for salvation. Oh, Father, give us grace and mercy as we go from here to follow you and not the world. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Let's stand if you're able to do that and worship.